Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And listen to me. This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever show. Start listening to us or suffer the consequences. Studio 34. This is the BFFs. He is Frank Stample. I am Greg Sussman. Frank, hey, what's happening, bud? Greg, hey, happy Monday to you. Lots to talk about, obviously. J E T S. Just, just end, end the, the season. Season. Let's go. How's your weekend, Greggy? The weekend was good. I was here yesterday working, which was always a pleasure. Uh, Saturday was nice though, man. We got a lot accomplished Saturday. I had a really good dinner Friday night, which was awesome. Um, I had fun, man. I had a good weekend. My last weekend as a single man. Oh, whoa. When you say it like that, it has so much more effect. What did you do in your fir- in your final single weekend? Did you uh, hung, out did you fiance, hung out with my fiance? Hung out with my fiance. All right, well, <laughs> I was hoping that would change a little bit. Nope. But- all right, it's fine. Now we had, you know, we did a bunch of wedding stuff. Um, wedding stuff. Did a bunch of wedding oh. stuff on Friday. Did a bunch of wedding stuff on Saturday. 
Ish, not really. Saturday we kind of just hung out. I played spike ball Saturday morning, which is awesome. Um, then we went to a bar, drank a lot, and <laughs> actually very funny. So then Saturday night we came home to like watch. Like it was time to go, time to leave. We went and we were watching SNL. It was like twelve thirty, twelve forty-five. I had to be at work uh, early on Sunday morning. And he's like, obviously passed out the couch. And she's like, all right, it's time to go to bed. I was like, immobile. I was like, <laughs> she's like, I have not zombie Greg. Like, I have not seen you like that like ever. Like, I couldn't even like wake you up, so I just like left you there. It was Slept like, on the couch for a good few hours. Doghouse Greg. And then I got up and I was like, I'm gonna go to bed now. Yeah. I hope, I hope the clock hasn't changed back yet. It, it had. I've done that many times. Sucked. So I'm right there with you. Sucked, man. Yeah. Come home hammered, pass on the couch a little bit, try to watch a show, uh-huh. maybe a movie. Uh-huh. You wake up, it's 5 o'clock in the yeah, morning. What not... am I doing here? Yeah. How did I get here? Yeah. It's very annoying. Well, it's good. Sounds like you had a good weekend. It was. It was a really fun weekend. How's your silent disco? Silent disco Friday, a little Halloween party. It was out in Astoria. It was a good time. It was The music was really good. Uh, if anyone has not been to a silent disco, I recommend it. It was actually pretty cool. You know, you get the headphones. You have three different stations. You have a hip-hop station, an EDM station. You have a pop-slash-throwback-hits-whatever kind of station. And it was good. I really enjoyed the music. Had a nice little pregame beforehand, so uh, I was feeling myself, Greg. I was, How the costumes I was, go over? I was out there dancing as White Goodman from Globo Gym. How did the costume go over? It was good. I had, uh, had a few compliments. I didn't really see anything too crazy. You know, someone someone else asked me, did you see any crazy costumes? No. What was really. the uh, most popular costume this year? Was it the Joker again? Uh, I didn't really see any Jokers. I don't know. Maybe oh, I was right. too intoxicated to notice. Sure. I had a riveting conversation with a Super Saiyan Goku on Friday about why Vegeta was better than Goku. I know you don't, you don't understand any of this. I don't think anybody understands any of this. No, it's Dragon Ball Z, Greg. It's a very popular show. Oh. Yeah, you never heard of it. You know Dragon Ball Z. Oh, all right. Any other words you said, though. <laughs> Those are characters in Dragon uh, Ball Z? All right. Forgot Greg didn't have a childhood. I had a childhood. No cartoons. Didn't involve Dragon Ball Z. No Pokemon, no Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had a conversation with that guy, and that was it. That's pretty much all I remember. <laughs> Saturday, weekend. Saturday Halloween party with my family. There so you go. I got, got all the Halloween out of my system. That's awesome. All right, so let's get to Sunday, Frank, where we both watch a ton of football, obviously. And I want to begin... I don't. I guess we got to begin where it ended, which was last night, because probably the biggest story of the day yesterday was Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens taking down the New England Patriots, the previously undefeated New England Patriots. The Ravens took it to them right from that opening whistle. Patriots got themselves uh, back in it before halftime, before the Ravens wound up pulling away in the second half. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked amazing. I've seen a lot of uh, accolades today. For what the Ravens did, right? Like they totally committed. They drafted a quarterback that didn't fit their system. They went from a guy that was immobile in Joe Flacco to a guy that's incredibly mobile but potentially inaccurate in Lamar Jackson. And they crafted their entire team around this guy. They brought an offense coordinator that specializes in this in Greg Roman. And they completely changed everything that they do. And at least for one night, really eight games, it's worked out really, really well. John Harbaugh and his team deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, Lamar Jackson just matchup proof when it comes to a fantasy football perspective. As of now, he's the QB3. We still have Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones to play tonight. You know, didn't light up the you know the scoreboard in terms of throwing the ball. He was 17 of 23. That's fine. 163 yards, 7.1 yards per attempt, threw for a touchdown as well. But again, it's what he does on the ground and his ability to escape pressure and make plays with his legs. I mean, what he's done this year as a runner, Greg, is better than what most running backs have done so far this season in the NFL. Again, on pace to shatter Michael Vick's rushing record for a single season. 
another 61 rushing yards last night, two rushing touchdowns. He is matchup proof. Uh, if you ever needed to see it, it was his Patriots defense that entered this game as the number one defense in the NFL. Greg, I think we were kind of reminded of the issues that the Patriots still have on this team. And I think a lot of them are offensive, right? Like that that's kind of been hidden so far this season because their defense was scoring as many points as they were. But the Patriots only put up 20 points last night to average 5.3 yards per play. They were outgained by the Baltimore Ravens in this game as well. So we'll see. Once their offensive line starts to get a little bit healthier, I know Nikhil Harry is going to return at some point. We'll see if this offense can get better. But one of the bigger takeaways for me, Greg, was that this uh, this Patriots offense is not clicking on all cylinders like it has in years past. Absolutely. The the offense, and this is why Tom Brady's upset, because he always gives back money to New England, right? And was like, hey, bring me a wide receiver. And they tried to do that with Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown. It hasn't worked. Julian Edelman fumbled last night. I mean, you just look at this crew of Julian Edelman, Philip Dorsett, Mohamed Sanu. You're like, all right, where? I assume their number one guy is, is hurt or out. And he's not. Maybe that can be Nikhil, Nikhil Harry, who was inactive last night. They have a bye this week, and then maybe he comes back and he becomes a thing. Right now, Patriots seemingly without a number one wide receiver. James White did his thing. Baltimore Ravens, you know, Lamar Jackson, and that's about it. Yeah, Mark Ingram as well. Mark Ingram yeah. was awesome, and the Patriots had been really good against the run. So this is the best rushing attack in the NFL by far. It's not close, Greg. Absolutely. All right, when we come back, we'll give you the rest of the winners, the losers, and eh, from this weekend around the NFL. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash dunk to learn more. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. 
Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Frank Stavel and Greg Sossman. Week 9 has one more game left. Monday Night Football. We'll get to that in a little bit. Before we do, it's time to talk about the winners, the losers, and eh, from week number 9. The BFFs presents Winners. I won. I won. You're a winner. Losers. You suck. You are one pathetic loser. And... Eh? Oh, man. I have no idea what's going on. Winners and losers for week number nine around the NFL. Let's take us to Pittsburgh, Frank, where we learned a lot in this Steelers and Colts game. Big winner, Zach Pascal of the Indianapolis Colts. Somebody had to step up without T.Y. Hilton in the lineup. Zach Pascal did just that. Yeah, that is exactly what he did, Greg. Led this team in receiving with 76 yards, five receptions as well. He caught a touchdown, led them in targets as well. Had six targets, 19% of the target share, 44% of the air yards. A 13.3 average depth of target. No other Colts player had an A dot higher than nine yesterday. So he's seeing targets down the field as well. Played 94% of the snaps, ran 40 routes, which was the most among all of their pass catchers yesterday. We wanted to know who was going to step up in the absence of T.Y. Hilton. We all kind of speculated that it would be Zach Paschal, and that's exactly what happened. Absolutely. We, were, we got it right. We got one right, Frank. We finally get one right. We finally got no one pat right. pat on the back. You know, in, in every league, we picked up Zach Paschal. One league, we, we started Zach Paschal, and we got it right. It doesn't happen often, but we had a winner. With T.Y. Hilton down, we figured it out. That it was going to be Zach Pascal, and it worked out. I asked you the question on the hurry up, which you can see in a, a few, you know, a few minutes from now. But with 
Brian Hoyer at the quarterback position. We don't know exactly what the deal is with Jacoby Brissett. Are you concerned about Pascal going forward? No, I'm not. They still need someone to catch passes on this team, obviously. And the tight ends are going to be involved. I think if you're playing deeper leagues, Chester Rogers has my attention as well. Once Brian Hoyer came into the game yesterday, Chester Rogers was actually the player he targeted most with five targets. Zach Pascal still second on the team with four targets. He had two targets from Jacoby Brissett from when Brissett was still in the game. That's how he wound up with the six targets overall. But Zach Pascal again, still played the most snaps. He ran the most routes. And I think he's probably the most talented wide receiver left on this team. I like Paris Campbell for the future, but he's slowly being worked in. I think he's their slot receiver of the future. But overall, I think Pascal's probably the most talented one right now. I, bu- I think both he and the tight ends are going to be the most consistent ones moving forward. I agree. Jack Doyle, also a winner with all those snaps that he played this past weekend. Uh, Brian Hoyer was all over it. It worked out awesomely. I totally, totally agree. The tight ends, Zach Pascal, definitely who you're going to highlight with the Indianapolis Colts. Let me go to the other side, Frank, and let me go with, mainly mentioned Jalen Samuel, who, who started, but like, not really, because Trey Edmonds had a huge run uh, on that first drive for Pittsburgh, and as a Jalen Samuel's owner, I was just like, oh my God, we, we, I feel like it's Ty Johnson all over again. And then Samuels had a similar role to that he did a few weeks back when he was healthy, and he had that huge game on whatever Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football, um, where he was wildcatting, and he was everywhere. Against the Bengals. Against the Bengals, yep. exactly. And while well, he wasn't really a wildcat yesterday, we saw the same game plan, which was Mason Rudolph dumping it off, dumping it off, dumping it off, and yes, dumping it off. Samuels had, what, 12 receptions yesterday? 13. 13 receptions yesterday. He set the franchise record for most receptions by a running back, breaking Le'Veon Bell's record. Of course. And... This offense has proven to be successful for Mason Rudolph. Don't push the ball downfield if you don't have to. You find your open, your open close targets and let them do the dirty work on the field. Jalen Samuels did that dirty work, and as long as James Conner's out, I think he's going to be a PPR monster. I have a comparison I'm going to make for him, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it first. Yeah, I thought this was an eh situation. I don't think that he's necessarily a winner. The 13 targets are very good. 13 receptions, 73 yards, only 5.6 yards per reception yesterday for Jalen Samuels. So a lot of these are close to the line of scrimmage, behind a lot of line of scrimmage, these little like shovel passes that everyone's doing in the NFL nowadays. But he was severely, you know, outgained by Trey Edmonds on the ground yesterday. Eight carries for Jalen Samuels, only 10 rushing yards, 1.3 yards per carry. Trey Edmonds behind the same offensive line in the same game, 12 rushing attempts for 73 yards. It's pretty crazy to me that Steelers keep finding ways to win. Uh, Mason Rudolph, I thought, looked a lot better uh, in Monday Night Football against the Dolphins than he did, obviously, yesterday. Completed 35, uh, had 35 attempts, completed 26 of them for only 191 yards, 5.5 yards per attempt, threw an ugly interception again yesterday, and I think the losers here, the clear losers, Greg, are Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster because following that game with the Dolphins, we thought, all right, maybe we're earning more trust now with the Steelers' wide receivers uh, because they're the ones who are seeing the consistent targets here with Mason Rudolph as the quarterback, and then this game was a reminder of the downside that we can get. Juju, just five targets, three catches for 16 yards. Deontay Johnson, who a lot of people had inside their top 36 as a wide receiver three this week, just two targets for one reception, three receiving yards. It's not like the Colts have an amazing secondary either. They are That is a secondary that can get beat up on. So I thought the clear losers here were the wide receivers, Greg, and we were reminded of what their floor actually can be. Absolutely. Juju Smith-Schuster, man. It's been a really rough year for him all around for uh, this Pittsburgh. I hope you sold him after that game against the Dolphins. Yeah, we tried to tell you. We tried to tell you Stephon Diggs, too. 
him uh, in a few moments. But when I thought about Jalen Samuels, and I saw what he did, and he went 13 catches for, what, 70-something yards. Reminded me of Austin Eckler a lot and his role with the Chargers, especially without Melvin Gordon out. Like, fine, like with Melvin Gordon out. Like, fine, like he was obviously the main ball carrier there, but it was just this dump, 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 let you do your thing. And then when Melvin Gordon came back, they still use Austin Eckler. I'll get to him in just a moment as well. But it wasn't as plentiful, I guess. What do you think of that comparison of Jalen Samuels to Austin Eckler? I think that's fair. It's going to be interesting to see if the Steelers use Jalen Samuels as much as the Chargers continue to use Austin Eckler, even with Melvin Gordon back. No, Melvin Gordon had the big game yesterday, and we'll obviously get to that. But it'll be interesting to see if the Steelers continue to use Jalen Samuels this much once James Conner is back. Because as we've seen, when James Conner has been healthy, he's been the workhorse running back so far this season. But maybe... The way to keep him healthy is to not use him in that role and get Jalen Samuels a little bit more involved. So I do think Samuels will have a role in PPR leagues once James Conner is back, and we don't know if that's necessarily going to be this week, but he's likely going to have a role. He'll be a low-end flex, and again, as long as James Conner is out, it seems like he is in that RB2 discussion as a PPR back. Absolutely. Certainly in the conversation as a, a RB2 um, PBR back. I mentioned the Chargers. Let's get in to what the Chargers did. Decimating Green Bay yesterday. Really weird game. Weird one. A lot of uh, a lot of people were on Green Bay. They thought Green Bay would just crush the Chargers. They didn't. It was the other way around. You change offensive coordinators. Uh, Anthony Lynn is a more of a role in the play calling, and it worked. Melvin Gordon certainly hit the ground running yesterday. Uh, he looked good. Austin Eckler did his thing. Uh, so the running backs looked good for the Chargers. The wide receivers, Mike Williams was good. Keenan Allen was not. Keenan Allen was. What- was not good. Yeah, and I have some interesting stats here. In games since Melvin Gordon has returned, Keenan Allen has not had more than 61 yards in a single game. He has not scored a touchdown since Melvin Gordon has returned. The first four games of the season for Keenan Allen without Melvin Gordon on this team, 32% target share, 40% of the Chargers air yards, and three receiving touchdowns. In the next five games since, 20% target share, 30% of the air yards, and zero touchdowns. I think health is a part of this as well. I think Keenan Allen is a clear loser right now. I'm not ready to say that you're benching Keenan Allen because I think that they're still trying to find ways to get him the ball, but the targets are down, and I do worry a little bit about his health as well. So I think Keenan Allen is a clear loser. He's nowhere near the wide receiver one he was in the first month of the season. As for Melvin Gordon, yesterday played 63% of the snaps, had 20 carries, four targets, 24 running back opportunities. Austin Eckler played 34% of the snaps, which was a season low, and saw 16 of the running back opportunities. This was a good matchup for both of these running backs here, and they proved that the Packers allow one of the highest yards for carry in the NFL. Um, So hopefully they can keep this going, but I did think that this was the best that Melvin Gordon has looked, Greg. But you kind of take it with a grain of salt. Was it all matchup related or was it just, all right, the further he gets into the season, he's starting to get his legs underneath him. I think if you can turn Melvin Gordon into a high-end RB2 based on this performance, I would look into it. But I think we're getting closer and closer to the Melvin Gordon of years past. I agree with you. It certainly seems like he's finally hit the ground running. Let's go to Green Bay, the other side of things. Let's talk about them and a whole lot more on the BFF. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Remember to follow us here on YouTube. You can also follow us on Sports Green TV YouTube. 
And on Instagram, at SportsGridTV. Our team does a fantastic job on Instagram. Frank, I know you've been following it. So we want people to check out what we have to offer on the gram. Yeah, absolutely. There's some really cool stuff. I know some of our best bets end up on there. Some of our wagering use. And our worst bets, too. Help you become a, uh, a better 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 absolutely so yeah there's some really cool stuff make sure to check it out on the gram at sports grid tv we also want to remind you that you can get in the game the DraftKings sportsbook let's keep it going danny DraftKings sportsbook where listeners of the show can get a deposit bonus of up to 500 bucks here's how it works create a DraftKings sportsbook account make a deposit place your first bet and DraftKings will match it with a 50 percent bonus of up to 500 bucks that's offer is eligible for all users plus new users will get a risk-free bet of up to 200 go to sportsgrid.com slash dk to play Sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 and over, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. Okay, let's get back to the winners and the losers. Frank, we were on the Chargers and we were on the Packers. Packers could not do much of anything yesterday. Aaron Rodgers, you played him. You were lucky. I was one of those people that played him. Play Aaron Jones, you were lucky as well. We had Aaron Jones, Frank, not nearly as lucky. What did you think of this Packers performance? Yeah, they just came out super flat. I think what Aaron Rodgers said in the postgame made a lot of sense. This was a little slice of humble pie for the Green Bay Packers. They were feeling themselves a little bit. They go over and face the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Chargers just decimated them. The Packers had no answer in this game. They could not run the football against a defense that had just allowed a career day to David Montgomery the week before. That's why we liked Aaron Jones. We liked Jamal Williams. Again, the usage for the Packers running backs has been frustrating because you would think in a game where they're trailing, they want a running back on the field that can catch the ball. It was Jamal Williams instead of Aaron Jones. Now, Jamal Williams did have a receiving touchdown yesterday, also saw six targets. Aaron Jones had just four targets with one reception. Jamal Williams caught all six of his targets for 39 yards. So the past couple of weeks, we were seeing Aaron Jones use more in the past game. This game, that obviously did not work out. I know that Aaron Jones still played 60% of the snaps, but a huge letdown for Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers as well. You know, 23 of 35, didn't have anything, 4.6 yards per attempt, only one passing touchdown. I've I've played in a league where, Greg, I benched Aaron Rodgers whenever he had that monster game, that 5-6 touchdown game, because I had both him and Dak Prescott. And sure. trying to figure it out on a weekly basis has not been fun. And, of course, this was the week where I played Aaron Rodgers. and. I would expect that Jack Prescott's going to have a better game tonight. When it comes to Devontae Adams, Greg, not a great game, but you love to see the 11 targets. Clearly led the team in targets. 11 targets out of 31, uh, out of 35 pass attempts here for Aaron Rodgers. Seven receptions and 41 yards. Um, I don't think that he is himself yet. I think it's going to take a few games for Devontae Adams to get back into Makes the mix sense. of things. But seeing the 11 targets here and that massive target share, I was uh, I was really surprised. He saw a large majority of their air yards as well. He saw, he had a few big targets down the field, just couldn't come away with them. Talking about wide receivers going back to themselves, you know who's a, you a loser? You are if you started Adam Thielen yesterday because he didn't make it out of the first quarter. Thielen re-injures that hamstring. He was not 100%. And it cost his owners, he gave you a big fat zero in your lineup yesterday as the, as the Minnesota Vikings also really were losers yesterday. The Vikings fell to Kansas City and Matt Moore in KC. Uh, Damien Williams, he started him. Well, it worked out all right. He had 12 carries. LeSean McCoy's three. He also had the 91-yard touchdown run. Yeah, the clip that everyone was watching yesterday, Tyreek Hill running and catching up to Damien Williams. So I, he was like 15 feet behind him, and then... Caught up to him and made it into the end zone before Damian Williams. So it's I insane. saw this live. And like Judy was like behind, like on the other side of the couch. 
Um, I got her phone or something, and I was like, oh, my God, Tyreek Hill is so fast. Five minutes later, Renzo shows it to you. She goes, why did he do that? I was like, because he can. She's like, that is ridiculous. I'm like, yeah. I mean, his Twitter handle is Cheetah for a reason, man. Dude, this guy is that was crazy. absolutely He doesn't even look like he was tired when he got there. Yeah, and let's continue talking about Tyreek Hill sure. as well. Even with Matt Moore as his quarterback here, great. I told you, this Viking secondary is not good. And I think Sammy Watkins is a winner as well. Didn't have a monster game, but the 10 targets yeah. again. I mean, he's had at least eight targets in each of the past two weeks, and he's starting to be used more. And this is with Matt Moore as the quarterback. So I think once Patrick Mahomes is back, we could see him back in week 10. It seems like you know this was really up to a game-time decision here for Pat Mahomes. And ultimately, they made the right call because they end up winning this game without Mahomes. But I think he's likely back in week 10, and I think that's just... You know, that's great things all around for Kelsey, for Sammy Watkins, for Tyreek Hill as well. Greg, for Damian Williams, played 72% of the snaps. Greg, how about this? The 72% snaps for Damian Williams yesterday were the most for a running back in any game this season, any Chiefs game. So it's very telling that they gave him this many snaps. LaShawn McCoy only played 10%. Darrell Williams played 17% of the snaps, but Damian Williams sees most of the work by far, 12 carries. Had the 125 yards, the 91-yard touchdown. Didn't really do much outside of that. But I think the usage and the fact that he saw 12 carries and the next running back only saw three was very telling. And I think that we can maybe trust Damian Williams as a high-end flex, maybe a low-end RB2 because there's six teams on a bye next week. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think the more we see, it's clear that Sean McCoy's fumbling issues have caught up to him. Damian Williams, the star of this running back by committee yesterday, LaShawn McCoy, just three carries for nine yards on the day. Um, Patrick Mahomes could return next week, which would be obviously great uh, for the Chiefs and for fantasy players alike. On the other side for Minnesota, Stephon Diggs. Not great, Bob. Loser. Big loser, man. Break out the milk cartons because this guy went missing yesterday. And you know what? The, the Chiefs secondary and their defense specifically – has played pretty well so far this season. Normally, you know, coming into this game, they give up a ton of a ton of production yep. to opposing running backs. Dalvin Cook in this game, yes, he saw 28 running back opportunities. That's carries plus targets. He had 21 rushing attempts, but only 3.4 yards per carry. So this Chiefs defense really, really showed up yesterday. They spread the ball around. They had one, two, three, four, five, six different players, six different Minnesota pass catchers with four or more targets in this game. Dalvin, uh, Stephon Diggs just could not get open, could not get free from anybody in this secondary. One catch for four yards in a game where Adam Thielen left in the first quarter. I would put this as an... Eh, situation. As much as I would want him to be a loser, Greg, loser. I think that we see Adam Thielen miss at least next week, maybe even more time than that. And I think in a better matchup, I haven't looked to see who the Vikings are going to play yet next week, but in a better matchup, Stefan Diggs should be able to take advantage of that. Next week, the Minnesota Vikings are in Dallas on Sunday night football. Not really a great matchup there either. So we'll see if they can just force feed Diggs some targets here. I really didn't like how much they got all these other players involved. Laquan Treadwell, of all people, leading this team in receiving with 58 yards yesterday. C.J. Ham, really their fullback, 37 yards. Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph, again, just kind of there was one of them cannibalizing each other. Yeah, like if one of them was just there or if they could, we could just combine their production, it would be really good. But they're just taking away enough where we can't really trust either one of them. I think that we see Stefan Diggs bounce back next week.
All right, let me give you – we did a lot of losers there. I want yep. to go to a big winner. A big winner happened in Buffalo where Devin Singletary was Ooh. a monstrous winner for the Buffalo Bills. That was who I wanted to talk about in the hurry of other than Darius Geis. It was Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary. The thing is, he's owned in too many leagues right now, so he's not really on waiver wires. But, yeah, Greg, he is one of, if not the clear winner from week nine. I put out a poll before the show, Greg, asking who was the biggest winner of these running backs between Devin Singletary, Damian Williams, and Ronald Jones. I thought they were all clear winners in their respective backfields. 75% of the vote right now going to Devin Singletary, and I don't think that you can really argue with it either. The usage yesterday, 66% of the snaps for Devin Singletary, 20 carries. He had four targets, so 24 running back opportunities, 140 total yards, had the touchdown, and I thought that the biggest takeaway here, Greg, was that Frank Gore had three opportunities from the one-yard line and was stonewalled all three opportunities later on in the game when they had a goal-line opportunity. They went to Devin Singletary this time, not Frank Gore, and he actually converted that. So I think moving forward, we should expect Devin Singletary 15-plus touches per game. Frank Gore probably in that 6-8 to eight range. So I'll say this in, in both regard. I think that when the time you saw Singletary get that touchdown run, it was a Singletary dry, right? Which, which is good. Like, they didn't take him out to put Frank Gore in just to get in the end zone. I think that's a good thing. Um, the second thing is Frank Gore is still going to be involved. Like, there's going to be drives that are just Frank Gore. Um, and we have seen Devin Singletary play more, but it was Frank Gore that was getting the majority of the, the rushing yards. That didn't happen this past week. Singletary had those 20 carries, which is such a huge, huge number. And I know this is a weird one, but, like, I'm happy that none of them was, like, a 75-yard run, right? Like, the longest run for Devin Singletary was 17, which meant— yeah, the monster reception, 49-yard catch and run. Absolutely. Yep. But the point was that on the ground, all these yards wasn't on a chunk play. It was a 20-carry workman-like performance from Devin Singletary, which gives me confidence that Sean McDermott will rely on this guy to be a workman going forward, which— Makes me very, very confident if I'm a Devin Singletary owner. Josh Allen was the recipient of that touchdown on the goal line once Frank Gore did not get in the third time. So, so Allen scores again. Only passed for one touchdown uh, yesterday as well. John Brown, I believe, got tackled at the one. He had four for 76 yesterday for him. Cole Beasley gets in the end zone for the third consecutive game. Yeah, John Brown had another drop where he could have been over 100 yards receiving yesterday. He's actually been one of the most consistent wide receivers this season. He's had at least 50 yards receiving in every one of the Bills games. The only other wide receiver that has done that in all of their games this season is Michael Thomas. So John Brown in good company right now. While he hasn't had these big boom weeks that we were hoping for, he has been very consistent from a fantasy perspective. Devin Singletary, again, one of the biggest winners. And look at their schedule upcoming, Greg, the next two weeks. The Cleveland Browns, who just allowed a long touchdown run to Phillip Lindsay, they've had trouble stopping the run this year. And then the Miami Dolphins coming up in week 11. So really good schedule upcoming for Devin Singletary and the Bills. On the other side, Greg, Adrian Peterson, man. Yep. Just continues yep. to get it done. I mean, he was vintage AP again yesterday, just throwing people into the dirt. It was ridiculous. It was fun to watch. This guy is timeless. It, this game featured two of the best running backs from this past generation with Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Darius Geis. Yeah. But in the four games since Bill Callahan has taken over, Greg, Adrian Peterson averaging 18.8 carries per game and just over 95 rushing yards per game. He's been a revelation for them. Absolutely. He's been he's been awesome for uh Wayne Haskins. Not so much. No, he's very bad. <laughs> Danny Dimes, let's go. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the the play gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. (laughs) Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're saying right now? He's he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. It Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All 
final 15 minutes of the program. Greg Sussman, Frankie Stample. Thanks to everybody watching inside of YouTube. You can see Frank's computer right now. He's, he's typing in the YouTube chat. So, uh, Frank, we waited long enough. What? What would that be, Greg? The losers of the day, I'd say. All right, let's go. J-E-T-S, just in the season. Throw me, throw me that ball behind you, Greg. Let's get some, let's get some team spirit out here. The New York Jets. It's like, as if somebody could have seen this disaster coming a mile away, Greg, once they signed Adam Gase as their head coach. You all saw the image yesterday. I hope you did. Go on social media and see the picture of Adam Gase looking into his playbook, trying to figure out what he's going to come up with next. Not a single person surrounding Adam Gase. Very telling of the New York Jets and how their season has gone. Ultimately, I still think that this will end up being a good thing for them. I said that, you know, as a Jet fan, I actually wanted them to lose this game because that means we're one step closer to getting Adam Gase out the door and looking forward to another early round draft pick here, Greg. So we'll see what happens. But the Jets were just a complete disaster yesterday. You wouldn't have thought so after the first drive. They just march right down the field. They score a touchdown with Jamison Crowder. Actually, I would consider Jamison Crowder a winner for him yesterday. Nine targets, eight receptions, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Really, really nice schedule coming up for the Jets in terms of passing the ball. I don't know that Sam Darnold is going to be able to take advantage of it, but I do think that Jamison Crowder uh, can have value moving forward. Robbie Anderson, huge letdown. Two two receptions, 433 yards. Uh, Ryan Griffin had another big game yesterday. We'll see if that turns into Chris Herndon next week. Chris Herndon was active, and of course, we saw a lot of the reports beforehand that he was going to be active but not really going to play. Greg, I'm going to put Lev Bell in the eh category. Well, we'll see if he's eh when that MRI comes back on his knee. That is correct. There are multiple reasons why he's in the eh category. Let's start with this, Greg. Against the Miami Dolphins defense that we just saw James Conner destroy on Monday Night Football last week, Le'Veon Bell rushes the ball 17 times for 66 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. That's... The negative, also part of the negative, Greg, you just brought it up, the fact that Le'Veon Bell is going for an MRI. Now, now I'm not going to question whether or not he's actually hurt or it's just, you know, this is the Jets' season and why would you want to play anymore? But he has seen a huge workload so far this year. He's dealing with something. We'll see what happens with the MRI. That's also the negative. The positive, he was using the pass game, Greg. He only had, I believe it was, you know, five targets coming into this game over the past three games for the Jets. He had nine targets yesterday, eight receptions, 55 yards. In half-point PPR leagues, he is currently the RB10. That's before Saquon Barkley and before Ezekiel Elliott. So he had an RB1 game, Greg. He is a top-10 running back, but couldn't have t- couldn't take advantage on the ground. Has not scored a touchdown since, I think it's week one. Uh, so I think this is an... This is an eh situation when it comes to Le'Veon Bell. You like the workload, but he didn't really do much with it. Yeah, absolutely. Le'Veon Bell, we thought it was a get-right spot. He had that touches, like you said. The workload was there, especially in that first half. Um, but very, very frustrating season all around for the New York Jets. We bought into these weapons, including Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson. James Crowder was awesome uh, yesterday. Not enough, but I guess they're a winner, though, because their draft pick's going the right way. And maybe Gates will get fired, which is what you want. So that makes them a winner yesterday, right? Yeah, I think the whole Jets situation is... Eh, we'll see what happens ultimately. And, you know, I can go off on a rant and, you know, do the rest of the show just on the Jets and how much of a disaster they are. But I will spare all of you because I did that before the season even started. On the Miami Dolphins side of things, Greg, let's start off with the winners here. Absolutely. I think Mike Gusecki and now, based on the information that we just got, Preston Williams is going to miss the rest of the season with a knee injury. You know, the... 
the rookie was having a great season, you know, really starting to step up here, had two touchdowns yesterday against the Jets. He has size, he has speed, and I think that there's something there for both Preston Williams and the Dolphins moving forward, but his season is over, which means that Devontae Parker, who scored a touchdown yesterday, Greg, and Mike Gusecki, who had six targets yesterday, I think are very clear winners here. Yeah, absolutely. Devontae Parker has been good as of late. He's been solid. Yeah, he's That's all you solid. can ask out of him. Mike Gusecki, not really until yesterday, and it yeah. was against the Jets. I'd like to see if he could do it two weeks in a row. They face the Colts next week. I think he's going to have to, right? I now mean, outside Williams. of Preston Williams, now going down. I mean, Albert Wilson going to play more snaps. Alan Hearns. Probably going to play more snaps, but Mike Gusecki was used a lot yesterday. He had six targets, caught all six of them for 95 yards. And heading into week 10, six teams on a bye, one of those being Zach Ertz. We're without our tight ends in week 10. This matchup is a very good one. Gusecki going up against the Colts. They allow the seventh most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. They just allowed a touchdown to Vance McDonald in week nine as well. Mike Gusecki played 60% of the snaps in each of the past two weeks. He ran 33 routes on 46 Ryan Fitzpatrick dropbacks yesterday. And I think that they're going to need him as a pass catcher in this offense now, Greg, with Preston Williams going down. So, yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit more tomorrow on the waiver wire show, but Pretty excited about Mike Gusecki. Let me go to Seattle here, Frankie, where DK Metcalf has repeatedly shown up. I, I know it, it's there was touchdown regression and it it hit, and there was like uh, catch regression, regression, and it hit. But yesterday, again, in a good matchup against Tampa Bay, DK Metcalf was absolutely fantastic. And I wonder what the signing of Josh Gordon does uh, to his outlook going forward. Yeah, I think if anyone is going to see a bit of a downgrade here, I think it is going to be DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, very clearly the number one wide receiver for this team. 18 targets yesterday for Tyler Lockett. Just a massive, massive performance. 13 receptions for 152 yards and two touchdowns. You really like to see... Great players take advantage in these great matchups. That's exactly what Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have done. The way that Russell Wilson can just float a ball up there, Greg, and just drop it in the basket for both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You know, I was skeptical of Metcalf coming into the season. 100% wrong on this guy. He is, you know, while his route running still needs some work and he still needs some polish overall as a wide receiver, he's a perfect fit for what Russell Wilson can do. But ultimately, I think if anyone sees a bit of a downgrade with Josh Gordon coming in, I do think it's DK Metcalf on Probably the outside. So. Probably because so. Because Russell, Wilson, Russell Wilson has always targeted slot receivers heavily. That's the exact role that Doug Baldwin used to play. So I don't think Tyler Lockett's going anywhere. I think if anything, Metcalf sees a bit of a downgrade in his targets. Yeah, I, I think that probably makes sense, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but DK Metcalf, but like, why do that, right? Like, Pete Carroll has always been about letting the best player play. If Josh Gordon gets They're still going to play. Like, their three wide receiver sets are just going to be now. It's going to be Gordon and Metcalf on the outside with Lockett in the slot. We're not really going to see as many of these, you know, all right, Jerron Brown randomly pops up here. David Moore randomly pops up here. I think their three wide receiver sets are very clearly going to be Josh Gordon and Metcalf on the outside and then Tyler Lockett in the slot. And I think that they're going to do their best to really get Josh Gordon involved early on here, Greg, and, and see if he can take advantage of that. But, I mean, look, Josh Gordon, since he's come back the past two seasons, you know, everything that he's done with the New England Patriots, he was fine at times last year. He's not the same player that he once was. Yeah. And we really need to accept that. It's not like Josh Gordon, even with the Seahawks, is a must-own player. They still want to run the football, and I think at best he's going to be third on this team in terms of targets, Greg. Absolutely, and I think that's that makes sense. I do want to note, um, you talked about Mike Kosecki a few moments ago. Jacob Hollister, not one but two touchdowns yesterday. We were off by one week, Greg. Including the off game winner in overtime. 
Um, were you surprised by the way speaking of overtime that the Bucks didn't go for two at the end of the game? I was. I was. Yeah, normally you see when a team on scores road. on the road, they'll Point go for six the two. Or whatever. And, your, and the Bucks defense is so bad. Exactly. Too. Like the strength of your team is your offense. Forty-five seconds ago. Yeah, like, I would say that is shocking. Yeah. So I was really surprised because we had um, this past week in Survivor, we had to take two teams, and one of the teams we took was Seattle, and Ooh. we I, yeah. I expected them to go for two, and they didn't. I was like, I feel like I won. And Jason Myers missed the kick. I was very angry and said a lot of curses. <laughs> um, then they won. So I move on to week 10, which is cool. Um, but yeah, so Jacob Hollister, off by week. Winner yesterday. Off by week, yeah. Saw the six targets, scored two touchdowns. It was a really good matchup against Tampa Bay. But much like what we said about Josh Gordon, on a weekly basis, how, how many pass catchers in the Seahawks offense are we going to be able to trust? There's just usually not a lot of volume unless you end up in one of these games where there's a lot of back and forth. And I gave you the stat last week, Greg. In closer games this year, Russell Wilson has been phenomenal. Uh, it's it's those games where they have the positive um, game script. The positive game script where, you know, they lean a little bit more on Chris Carson. Chris Carson, again, another winner going up against the best run defense in the NFL yesterday. 16 carries for 105 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. I thought he was a big winner. Greg, Mike Evans is a winner. Sure. And Chris Godwin is a clear loser. Since... Mike Evans had been shut down against Marshawn Lattimore. We all remember that game where he had a donut. He has actually been much better than Chris Godwin. So we have a bit of a sample size here. It's over the past uh, three games, four games, four games. Mike Evans, 32 receptions, 474 yards, three touchdowns, 32% target share, 44% of the air yards, 97.4 PPR points. During that same stretch, Chris Godwin, 21 catches, 255 yards, Zero touchdowns, 21% of the target share, 17% air yards, 47.3 PPR fantasy points. There have only been two games out of eight games this season where both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have gone off. I think we're back to Mike Evans being the wide receiver one for this team and Chris Godwin playing second fiddle to that. So you're not buying Chris Godwin as a wide receiver one anymore going forward? I think that he could still be a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. There's just going to be some inconsistency. Again, They've only gone off together in two games this year, so it's more likely that one of these guys will go off and the other one will have a will have more modest production. But we know what their upside is uh, in this offense. They still do pass the ball a lot, uh, and their defense is not good. So they're going to get into those games where they have to throw the ball. I still do like Chris Godwin, but I think Mike Evans has overtaken him once again. Two more games I want to get to in the next three minutes that we have that, that I, I think I could have to do. Big winner yesterday. Josh Jacobs, man. Like, I know a lot of people thought Josh Jacobs was going to be have an awesome rookie year, and he is. He's a focal point of this offense. He's a three-down back. He's fantastic. Uh, I, I think Josh Jacobs is awesome. Monster winner yesterday. Matt Stafford, also a huge winner on the other side. A lot of people in DFS, myself included, paired up Stafford and Galladay, and it worked out. Yeah, this was a really good spot. I, think, I thought this one was obvious. Stafford, another 406-yard performance, three touchdowns, 9.9 yards per attempt. Kenny Galladay, huge game. Marvin Jones, huge game. This Oakland Raiders secondary, while they did have an amazing interception yesterday, is not a good one, and it's one that you should target with your wide receivers in fantasy football. Greg, you're 100% right about Josh Jacobs, and I think we're really just scratching the surface because I think that he can be used more as a receiver, but for whatever reason, John Gruden hasn't really wanted to use him in that role yet. 28 carries yesterday, 120 yards Two more rushing touchdowns for Josh Jacobs, Greg. Over the past four games, Jacobs is averaging 22.5 carries per game, 108.3 rushing yards per game, and has scored four rushing touchdowns during that stretch. 
He is amazing. That offensive line is playing really well. The schedule is a great one for the Oakland Raiders. There is a lot to like. He is very clearly an RB1. He might even be a, how aggressive can we be, top eight running back moving forward for fantasy. I think it makes a lot of sense. He certainly could be. One more game that I wanted to make sure we hit. That's big losers, right? It's Odell Beckham Jr. and the Cleveland Browns. They fell to Denver. Cortland Sutton, a winner in this game. Phillip Lindsay, a winner in this game. Brandon Allen looked all right. Um, but Odell Beckham Jr., I don't, I don't get it. Like, I get you cried your way. I cried your way. But, like, you got forced your way out of New York, which is nuts. But it happened. Like, he didn't want to be here. He wanted to go play with his best friend, Jarvis Landry, pair up with Baker Mayfield, and that's awesome. But Freddie Kitchens has done nothing to force the ball to Odell. We saw a lot of forcing of Jarvis Landry, which is good. But Odell's just not being utilized. It makes no sense. Yeah, their offense has been very predictable so far this season. Yeah. They're not being creative. They're not targeting Odell Beckham deep down the field. And we saw yesterday that he can make plays against the best corners in the league. We saw him rip the ball out of the hands of Chris Harris. He did that two or three different times where you know he got free from Chris Harris. He only had six targets yesterday. Odell Beckham has 13 targets over the last two games. Jarvis Landry had 13 targets yesterday. yesterday alone. This makes no sense. Jarvis Landry is not the player that Odell Beckham is. I don't care that the matchups may have dictated that you should go in Jarvis Landry's direction. He had 13 targets. He still only converted six of those for 51 yards. Odell Beckham had six targets and had five receptions for more yards. He had 87 yards in this game. He can win against the best corners in the league. You need to give him opportunities. He is a loser from yesterday, Greg, but I think that they need to take what he did yesterday and realize he can win in those tough matchups and start to use him moving forward. We appreciate you watching. If you like what you saw, subscribe to the channel. For Frank Stavell, I'm Greg Sussman. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. 
I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Here's what you missed on the BFFs. Are you concerned about Pascal going forward? No, I'm not. They still need someone to catch passes on this team, obviously. And the tight ends are going to be involved. I think if you're playing deeper leagues, Chester Rogers has my attention as well. Once Brian Hoyer came into the game yesterday, Chester Rogers was actually the player he targeted most with five targets. Zach Paschal is still second on the team with four targets. He had two targets from Jacoby Brissett from when Brissett was still in the game. That's how he wound up with the six targets overall. But Zach Paschal, again, still played the most snaps. He ran the most routes. And I think he's probably the most talented wide receiver left on this team. I like Paris Campbell for the future, but he's slowly being worked in. I think he's their slot receiver of the future, but overall, I think Pascal's probably the most talented one right now. I, I think both he and the tight ends are going to be the most consistent ones moving forward. I agree. Jack Doyle, also a winner with all those snaps that he played this past weekend. Uh, Brian Hoyer was all over it. It worked out awesomely. I totally, totally agree. The tight ends, Zach Pascal, definitely who you're going to highlight with the Indianapolis Colts. Let me go to the other side, Frank, and let me go with, mentally mentioned Jalen Samuel, who, who started with like not really, because Trey Edmonds had a huge run uh, on that first drive for Pittsburgh. And as a Jalen Samuels owner, I was just like, oh my God, we, we, I feel like it's Ty Johnson all over again. And then Samuels had a similar role to that he did a few weeks back when he was healthy and he had that huge game on whatever Sunday night football or Monday night football um, where he was wildcatting and he was everywhere. Against the Bengals. Against the Bengals, yep. exactly. And well, it wasn't really a wildcat yesterday. We saw the same game plan, which was Mason Rudolph dumping it off, dumping it off, dumping it off, and yes, dumping it off. Samuels had what, 12 receptions yesterday? 13. 13 receptions yesterday. He set the franchise record for most receptions by a running back breaking Le'Veon Bell's record. Of course. 
And this offense has proven to be successful for Mason Rudolph. Don't push the ball downfield if you don't have to. You find your open, your open close targets and let them do the dirty work on the field. Jalen Samuels did that dirty work. And as long as James Conner's out, I think he's going to be a PPR monster. I have a comparison I'm going to make for him, but I wanted to get your thoughts on it first. Yeah, I thought this was an eh situation. I don't think that he's necessarily a winner. The 13 targets are very good. 13 receptions, 73 yards. Only 5.6 yards per reception yesterday for Jalen Samuels. So a lot of these are close to the line of scrimmage, behind a lot of line of scrimmage, these little like shovel passes that everyone's doing in the NFL nowadays. But he was severely you know, out gained by Trey Edmonds on the ground yesterday. Eight carries for Jalen Samuels, only 10 rushing yards, 1.3 yards per carry. Trey Edmonds behind the same offensive line in the same game, 12 rushing attempts for 73 yards. It's pretty crazy to me that Steelers keep finding ways to win. Uh, Mason Rudolph, I thought, looked a lot better uh, in Monday Night Football against the Dolphins than he did, obviously, yesterday. Completed 35, uh, had 35 attempts, completed 26 of them for only 191 yards, 5.5 yards per attempt. I thought the clear losers here were the wide receivers, Greg, and we were reminded of what their floor actually can be. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.